Hello friends and welcome to uh, Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, this is the Sunday where we celebrate uh, the thinning of the veil between heaven and earth. And um, it is the Sunday right before our Ash Wednesday uh, service and the first Sunday of Lent. And so we will take time today to honor that moment. Um, I welcome you in the name of the Lord. Let us come together now in a posture of worship. The Lord be with you and also with you. Today we will be reading both the psalm and the epistle lesson. The psalm is uh, Psalm 50 verses 1 through 6. Hear now the words of the psalmist. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. And today's epistle lesson comes from 2 Corinthians the fourth chapter, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Word of God. For us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us say now together the words of the Apostles' Creed. Friends, what do we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Let us pray together. Dear Lord, we come to you this Transfiguration Sunday when you descended to the mountaintop to show Peter and James and John your majesty and might and glory. Help us to learn from that experience, to be reminded of those things that we can then go and take your light and majesty out into the world. Hear us now as we pray those words that your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear now the story of the Transfiguration as told in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it, good? it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't iron. I don't enjoy schlepping an ironing board. When I was in college, the iron I was using before a first date fell and burned my leg. It was not the look I was going for. Five minutes in the dryer works just fine for my clothes. But then I started sewing. All the time and effort I put into pieces were worth the bother and risk of getting burned. They deserved the attention and the perfection. At the time in my life when I started sewing, I had moved away from Macon. When I came back to Macon and to Mulberry, my friend Chris immediately signed me up for the worship committee. It was there where I learned what it meant to iron and care for the fair linens. The care and concern for these linens 
was more than I had ever done for anything of my own. And for you who have cared for the fair linens, any of you who have done it, that are used for communion, know how hard it is to keep them clean and wrinkle-free. Welch's may be a Methodist product, but it's not easy to get out of linens, even Methodist linens. There are processes, and soaking, and hand-washing, and wringing, and laying across dining room chairs to dry, and ironing, and carefully carrying, and still wrinkling between the sacristy and the sanctuary. Hanging in the Mulberry Sacristy is a copy of the 1940s directions on how to care for linens. It reads, in part, The linens can be kept spotlessly clean and white if a small amount of bleach is used in the water in which they are soaked for a little while. Particularly, this is true of the purificators that are so apt to have wine stains or lipstick on them. After soaking in the bleach, the linens should be washed in hot water using plenty of soap and then thoroughly rinsed. Bluing can be used to keep them from getting yellow or gray. Some people object to using bleach on the purificators as it may shorten the life. However, it is much better to have the purificators white and spotless, lasting a shorter time than to have them last longer and looking gray and stained and grubby. So when I read the scripture with fresh eyes today, immediately I was drawn to verse 3. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Part of the reason that we work so hard on the fair linens is to honor the sacredness of the table and the remembrance of Jesus and the Last Supper. But this verse and this story reminds me that there is no amount of bleach and ironing that we can do to reach salvation. That perfection can only be found in Jesus. We rarely see his divinity so pronounced in scripture. We see it at his baptism. We see it here in the transfiguration. And we see it when he leaves the tomb. The veil between heaven and earth is at its most sheer state in each of those settings. It helps us understand the complexity of the nature of Jesus and of the triune God. On the mountain, God the Father takes his proclamation of his son's divinity one step further than at his baptism. At his baptism, God descends and announces that Jesus is, is his son. If we think back to Mark 1.11, this is the proclamation. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. God is emphatically stating that Jesus is the son of God and that he is pleasing. At the time of the transfiguration, God not only makes the divinity of Jesus shine whiter than bleached linen, he puts Jesus with familiar prophets. 
Moses and Elijah come to give Peter, James, and John a frame of reference for the greatness and divinity of the humanity of Jesus. And this time, God not only proclaims who Jesus is, he turns to the three disciples and says, listen to him. As many times as I've read this scripture, I'm not sure how they survived the transfiguration without fainting or worse. They can't even squeak out a response. It was a lot to take in, and I'm sure it took them a while to process it. The spirits of Moses and Elijah, the voice of God in a cloud, and Jesus glowing. That's why the inclusion of the bleach is so interesting to me. There's a lot going on. So why is the garment description included? I think for me, it is the aspiration of perfection. Setting that goal of what we are trying to attain. Not the perfectly ironed linens, but the pure rapture and radiating of light that comes from it comes with being a part of the heavenly realm. That total communion with God, that is what we are aspiring to. The voice of God was giving the disciples instructions on how to do that. The same thing we should listen to today. He shows us and tells us that Jesus is his son and we should listen to him. Directly before this passage in Mark, Jesus tells the disciples of his impending suffering and death. Peter, whom he now has on the mountain, does not want to believe him. And even though it may be coming from a good place, Peter wanting to avoid the suffering of Jesus gets him a good rebuke. So this time on the mountain is to show Peter, or Simon Peter, exactly what the end goal was. It reminds me of what we read just last week. Before Jesus showed the rest of the world how he would perform miracles, he showed Simon Peter by healing his mother-in-law. And here on this mountain, before he shows the rest of the world, he shows Peter and the other two disciples his true divine self. All while wearing clothes brighter than any bleach could ever get them. My favorite part of the linen instructions is at the end. The linen should be washed by a member of the altar guild and never, in capital letters, never given out to a laundry or laundress. This phase of work of the altar guild should be done to the glory of God, just as surely as any other of the duties. If some member of the guild is a particularly good laundress, she may discreetly take the linens from time to time and give them a washing after her own heart. But let her not forget that even a poor laundress who does the work to the glory of God really has done a better service in God's sight than the good laundress who just can't stand to see such linen. Washing and ironing the linens 
can be such fun and is so rewarding. Snowy white linens without spot or blemish are a joy to see. If at first you have difficulty being a good laundress, just keep trying. Do not forget that linens lying about for a long time also get soiled and need doing over. One last word. Keep your linens immaculate. I'm not sure about the fun and rewarding part, but I know it is not an easy task. Try as I might, I was never good at stain removal, but I can iron with the best of them. I think my favorite line is snowy linens without spot or blemish are a joy to see. I wonder if Peter and James and John saw the garments that were glowing snowy white without spot or blemish and were filled with joy. Now, we may see these instructions as entertaining, but I know some women in my grandmother's generation that took this very seriously. Lash Woodcock, who turned the duties over to me, quietly laundered, the fair minute linens for many years without fanfare. Those women of a bygone era would have been would have seen it as a challenge to work harder to make the fair linens acceptable to be compared to those of Jesus. Can you hear them? His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Well, we'll just see about that. That level of dedication and care and concern is admirable, even if it's a little misplaced. They were doing then what we are still trying to do now in our own way. Live up to the splendor and the majesty of the transfigured Jesus. Obey the word of God to listen to what he tells us to work discreetly without need of praise. The end result is the joy and the reward. For the laundress, it is seeing the fair linens honor their place on the altar. For the disciples, it was to see Jesus for whom he was, for who he was as he walked the earth. They were to have this knowledge and experience without telling the world until after his death. And for us today, we should listen to Jesus and show the world in big ways and in discreet ways exactly who he was. It may be by helping prepare the sanctuary for worship. It may be by packing food for hungry children. It may be remembering to turn the water off in the church when it gets cold. It may be showing up and cutting down the underbrush at the parsonage. It may be fixing the printer. It may be helping the homeless with their laundry. No matter how we listen and obey the word of the triune God, we should do it with joy and awe of the one who blessed us with the gifts of love and light. Amen. As we go throughout our week, let us find ways to honor that transfigured Jesus. 
that beautiful bleached bright Jesus who showed Peter and James and John his divinity that day on the mountain because in life and death in life beyond death God is with us we are not alone thanks be to God amen <laughs>